Good morning. Today is Sunday, March 3rd, and we're studying the Bible study guide for the first quarter of 2024. The Bible study guide for this quarter is called Psalms, and today we continue studying lesson number 10. The reading for today is called The Lord's Unstoppable Faithfulness. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you once again for the blessings you give us every day. And this morning, as we're about to study this Bible study guide, we ask you to send us your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We begin our reading with a couple of questions. And first, we're supposed to read Psalm 78. And here's a question. What three key historical epochs are highlighted in this psalm? And what recurring lessons does Asaph draw from each period. And Asaph is the writer of the psalm. So what three key historical epochs are highlighted in the psalm and what recurring lessons does Asaph draw from each period? And so Psalm 78, let's read that first. That's um, a pretty long psalm. It's got 72 verses. So let's go ahead and get started. Give ear, O my people, to my teachings. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might, and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob, and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites armed with a bow turned back on the day of the battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers he performed wonders. In the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan, he divided the sea and let them pass through it, and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yet they sinned still more against him rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock, so the water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can He also give bread or provide meat for His people? Therefore, when the Lord heard He was full of wrath, a fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. Yet he commanded the skies above and the, and opened the doors of heaven, and he rained down on them manna to eat, and gave them the grain of heaven. Man ate of the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by, the, and by his power he led out the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. He let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. And they ate and were filled, and were well filled, for he gave them what they craved. But before they had satisfied their craving, while the food was still in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them. 
and he killed the strongest of them, and laid low the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. So he made their days vanish like a breath, and their years in terror. When he killed them, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly. They remembered that God was their rock, the Most High God, their Redeemer. But they flattered him with their mouths, and they lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast towards him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe, when he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the fields of Zoan. He turned the rivers to blood so that they could not drink of their streams. He sent among them swarms of flies which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He gave them their crops to the destroying locust and their fruit of their labor to the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamores with frost. He gave over their cattle to the hail and their flocks to the thunderbolts. He let loose on them his burning anger, wrath, indignation, and distress, a company of destroying angels. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave their lives over to the plague. He struck down every firstborn in Egypt, the firstfruits of their strength in the tents of Ham. He led... Then he led out his people like sheep and guided them like and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. And he brought them to his holy land, to the mountain which his right hand had won. He drove out nations before them. He apportioned them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. Yet they tested and rebelled against the Most High God, and did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow. For they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. When God heard, he was full of wrath, and he utterly rejected Israel. He forsook his dwelling at Shiloh, the tent where he dwelt among mankind, and delivered his power to captivity, his glory to the land, to the hand of the foe, and gave his people over to the sword, and vented his wrath on his heritage. Fire devoured their young man, and their young woman had no marriage song. Their priests fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentation. Then the Lord awoke as from a sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine. And he put his adversaries to rout, and he put them to everlasting shame. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah. Mount Zion, which he loves, he built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like earth, which he had founded forever. He chose David his servant. He took him from the sheepfolds and from following the nursing ewes and brought him to shepherd Jacob his people. Israel his inheritance. With upright heart he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. And so um, the questions are, what key historical epochs are highlighted in this psalm? 
so it, it begins with talking about the Exodus, they're, they're leaving Egypt, and continues with their stay in the wilderness and what happened in the wilderness, and then ends with him choosing David as his king, as his representative. And the recurring lesson that seems to be happening here is that God is being faithful, but the Israelites, his people, keep failing him, and they keep turning their back on him, and they keep not following him, and they keep disobeying him, but he still tries to keep faithful to them, or he is faithful to them, and he tries to bring them back. And so that's that's what uh, appears that's happening in, in these verses. The reviews of Israel's past highlight God's faithfulness and Israel's unfaithfulness. They also should teach coming generations not to repeat their ancestors' mistakes, but to trust God and to remain faithful to his covenant. The psalmist uses history as a parable, which means that the people should deeply ponder the psalm's message and search for the meaning for themselves. Psalm 78 verse 2 is a prophetic description of Jesus' method of teaching in parables. The psalm also reflects on the time of the Exodus, the settlement in Canaan, the time of David, it demonstrates the Lord's glorious deeds and the consequences of God's people for breaking their covenant with God. Israel's history recounts many forms of the people's disloyalty to God, especially their idolatry. The psalmist, however, stresses the root of the Israelites' unfaithfulness. They forgot what God had done for them. They did not trust God. They put God to the test. They rebelled against Him and failed to keep His law, His covenant, and his testimonies. By stressing these specific forms of disloyalty, the psalmist implies that the rejection of Israel in history has resulted from one core sin, namely the people's failure to trust the Lord. When reading the psalm, one is overwhelmed with the people's constant stubbornness and the spiritual blindness in contrast to the Lord's boundless patience and grace. How was each new generation so slow to learn? Before we get overly judgmental of past generations, we should consider ourselves. Aren't we also forgetful of God's past wonders and neglectful of His covenantal requirements? The psalm does not encourage people to rely on their own deeds. Instead, Psalm 78 shows the futility of human will unless it is grounded in constant awareness of God's faithfulness and an acceptance of His grace. The unsuccessful battles of God's people elucidate the psalmist's lesson that human effort apart from faithfulness to God are doomed to end in failure. And now we're done for the reading of today, and we have a question as we finish. And the question is this, what lessons have you learned or should have learned from your past mistakes? And so this, this uh, question is very personal. Every single one of us will have a different answer to this question. What have you learned or what should you have learned from your past mistakes? And so ideally, we learn from our mistakes. In fact, we learn more from our mistakes than from uh, our, um, when we don't make mistakes. When we don't make mistakes, we really, really don't learn. And so I was a math professor for a long time, and I would tell my students, you learn when you make a mistake in math, and you learn from that mistake, and that's how we learn math. We learn math from the mistakes that we make. If you do a problem and you do it right, 
you haven't learned anything from doing that problem right. Because basically you're just saying, this is what I have already learned, and now you're demonstrating that you've already learned something. And so when you attempt a problem for the first time, you will make mistakes, and through those mistakes, you learn how to properly approach those kinds of problems, or you learn how to think, how to solve those types of problems or solving mechanisms in, in our mind, how to uh, be able to think problems through. And so our mistakes are very, very important. However, ideally, we shouldn't commit the same mistake over and over and over because then we're not learning from our mistakes. And so uh, it, it is important to, to sit and analyze. What have I done uh, in, in, in whenever I make a mistake? When I make a mistake, I sit down. What, what mistake did I make? All right, this is the mistake I made. Okay, how can I avoid that in the future? And you avoid that. And now sometimes you will make the same mistakes, but not because of a lack of judgment or error, but because of a lack of execution. And we can see this uh, often in, in sports. You know, somebody's learning how to throw the ball, and the mistakes he makes is that he doesn't quite hit the target. He gets closer, and, and he, he, he maybe gets closer and closer. And even... Uh, if you look at professional sports, you know, the best quarterbacks, they don't play a game without uh, missing a few passes. And so uh, we, we still uh, make some mistakes, but the mistakes that we make are usually, uh, if we have been learning from our mistakes, are usually from lack of execution. We made a mistake. We try to hit the target, but we miss the target. And so we practice and we get better at hitting the target, but we're usually never perfect at hitting the target. Uh, maybe we start hitting 5 out of 10, then maybe we get better to 10, uh, to 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, and then maybe it's 95 out of 100, 99 out of 100, and, and so forth. And, and we get better, and we do improve, but there are sometimes uh, when we miss the target, we just, you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're human. We are going to miss the target. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we ask you to please be with us as, as we look at uh, the mistakes in our lives. And we ask you to help us to learn from those mistakes so that we do not keep making the same mistakes in uh, uh, poor choices, judgments of error, uh, bad decisions. Uh, and, and help us, even our mistakes of execution, help those to get uh, uh, less and less of those mistakes. Help us to improve in our execution as well. We ask you to please be with us the rest of this day. Take care of us. Protect us from any harm and keep us close to you. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. I encourage you to join us again tomorrow morning as we continue to study this Bible study guide called Psalms. Thank you and God bless you.